Ministry of Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. Oh, we are so glad that you are here and so glad that you have joined us in the reading of Proverbs. Proverbs, a most exciting uh, uh, book. It's a book of wisdom that has been you know, inspired by God, given to King Solomon, son of David. And he is passing on the wisdom that God has imparted to him and that he learned also from his father to the rest, to his son, and consequently to the rest of the world. Because, of course, who gives wisdom but God himself? And Solomon um, attests to that as he brings us into the book itself. I love the reading of the psalm of the of the uh, proverbs and the psalms. I do, but in particular the proverbs. Well, not in particular. That is not even true. I love God's word. When you read it, you are just astounded. First of all, the wisdom is not only in the book of Proverbs; it's in every book. And when we when we take time and we spend time reading God's word, we grow by it because it is the wisdom of God and he does impart to us the knowledge of those things that are divine and eternal and we live ourselves in a very temporal world and we are born in with a sin nature we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity so says the psalm writer king david himself and we need a savior we need deliverance from that bondage of sin and from fear of uh, death the bible says that we were held captive by the enemy in the fear of death but god has loosed those chains set us free and caused us to walk in liberty also every day that we live is a is an opportunity to see the beauty and power of god on display that's why we say of course <laughs> wow what a show because the show is every day god every day that is the show and we just want you to join us in uh, seeing it we invite you to watch it as if you are watching of course a, a real theatrical production because ultimately that's what it is it's really an exciting wonderful world that god has set us in so today we are reading from proverbs chapter 7 we re had a really good session this morning and tonight we will be a little bit uh, brief because we have, and and anyone who joins us again can, of course, listen to this morning's podcast when I upload them. So chapter 7 is a superscript in my Bible that says, The wiles of a harlot. A harlot. A harlot. A person who is a prostitute or a whore, Right? And we could talk a lot about that, uh, and we shall in a moment. But let's now read. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, 
thou art my sister, and called understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement, and beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face, impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the goodness is not at home. The goodman is not at home. He is gone a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dark strike, a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteneth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths, for she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Isn't that something? We read this this morning, and um, Light Touch is here, is entered into the studio. We read it, and Light Touch made a very, very uh, profound discovery. I had not seen it, but she called to mind this one thing, that the whorish woman who has met this young man at the corner tells him that she has decorated her bed She's laid it out with fine tapestry, and she has myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. These are the perfumes for death, right? So Solomon is warning his son to take heed of a woman who has flattering lips who allures with her uh, eyes and and she's using, you know, uh, words uh, that are like honey on her lips. 
and uh, she is dressed. She is dressed like a harlot. That's how he recognizes her. He's looking out of his window. He sees this woman. She is dressed like a harlot, and but he sees the young man going directly to her corner. And she does entice him. She tells him that her husband now is away, that he's taken a bag of money and that he won't be home, it sounds like, for a few days. And so she invites this young man in to sleep with her. If she's a harlot, she is also probably charging him to come in. So he's going to pay for something that could end up very badly. And he goes. So Solomon is using this uh, visual that he has, has um, caught to explain to his son that this is the way to death. He tells her, in the last verse, he says to the son, her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. That's what he tells her. Isn't that amazing? He, he espies this young man. He uses what he sees to make this very grave point. And the young man succumbs to her allurements and he actually enters. Solomon also starts the chapter with this very thing. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live. He's pleading with him again to live. And he tells you, or he tells him, bind them upon your fingers. Bind them. You know how you tie a thing? Bind them upon your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then he does something else. He once again personifies wisdom. You know, when Anna uh, read for us in chapter two or three, I can't remember which one it was, she really made this come alive for me. She said she loved the uh, literary device of personification because it gives something that is inanimate, something that doesn't have life in its origins, right, in, in, in its usage. But if you give it life, it comes to life. And so you have a visual of a living thing. So the personification of wisdom imports to us life because it is an animate thing. It is now uh, given the attributes that make us pay attention to it and hear it, right? So Solomon says, say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your kinswoman. Take care that you are in relationship with this. And the relationship is one of purity. In general, we don't use a sibling as anything but a friend a close, um, a confidant, and also a kinswoman. You see, again, kinship. So it, there's nothing perverse in the relationship. And a wisdom for Solomon is, is female. Now, I, I explained also that in certain uh, languages, 
Well, probably even in language, but I haven't studied English like that. But in, in French, for sure, my major was French in school, and I studied German also, and I studied Russian. Can't remember if it's Russian or not. But definitely, there is a, a very clear distinction in usage between those things that we view as feminine and those things that we view as masculine. And then in the German language, there are things that are neutral. So uh, wisdom here in this language is feminine and pers personified. So when he tells him to take wisdom into kinship, he uses the feminine. And we can be, we can, as women, you know, we can be um, pleased about that because he's writing to his son and he's using women, in, you know, to, to, to highlight almost every uh, negative situation here. But indeed, uh, the, the, the personification, in fact, is a wonderful way to actually grasp and take hold of the fact that wisdom itself brings to us a relationship. We are now in relationship with the Holy Spirit who imparts to all wisdom. God says, ask me for wisdom, for I give freely, liberally, I will give it to you. So we should be asking the Lord for this relationship. And if he gives it to us, we know it's coming by his spirit to us. He's talking to us, right? Um, yesterday also, as we are read, oh, Sister Amy read from Mr. Amy, Amy uh, read, and she immediately paid attention to the fact that when you do exactly what he's telling us to do again in chapter seven, in, in, in chapter six, verse 21, he says again, keep my, keep your commandments and forsake not the law of thy mother over here in chapter seven, keep my commandments and live. And let my law be as the apple of thine eye. Then he goes, bind them continually upon your heart. And up, uh, 7, verse 3, bind them upon thy fingers. Write them on the tablets of thy heart. Right? And then in the former chapter, he already told us, when you go, when you go, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you know, he, it shall feed you. It shall lead you. And when you sleep, wisdom will keep you. See, the personified wisdom has power. And when you awake, wisdom will talk to you. See, for the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Isn't this a beautiful thing? This is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, you know, I, I I just listened also to, um, well, I, I don't even know if I heard it tonight, but Pastor Thomas, who's doing a series with us and all that getting, get understanding, is continually pointing us to activate God's word in our lives to bring the victory and the success that we're looking for. Because out of his word, we grasp his way. We understand if we take time to listen, we understand what God wants and how he is leading us. So this is again, just a restatement of everything that we've heard in a different way and applied to a different situation from the beginning of Proverbs till now. 
when the Lord in the scripture, when God is, is emphasizing a thing, there will be repetition within a particular scriptural passage, repetition. When you read the Psalms, that is almost one of the, the, the uh, uh, devices used in Jewish poetry, a restatement of things for emphasis, right? And that restatement uh, causes us to remember. If you say a thing over and over again, remember as children, we used to have to memorize the poem, memorize the Gettysburg Address, memorize the timetables, memorize, memorize. And let me tell you, as a you know, a young person studying music, I had to memorize the lines and spaces, those names. I had to memorize the scales. I had to memorize those things. Then when you, or as you are doing it, you know, as you keep practicing, it becomes just second nature. You're just doing it, doing it. So when you watch or hear people who are very skilled on on an instrument, it's because they have continually repeated, 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 repeated. We think it comes natural, and certain certain aspects of it does become come natural, right? But um, if you sit down and do a thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, <laughs> you're gonna grasp it to the degree that you can at least say it or do it. You may not be, you know, uh, Michelangelo with the brush, or you may not be. What's the great pianist's name? I can never think of him. But even my grandson, he can, he can, oh, his fingers can fly over that keyboard in a way mine never could. But I can read the same music he can read because of that constant repetition of memorizing it over and over again, playing those skills, etc. Right? So that's what he's doing in, in the Proverbs. We're hearing it over and over again. But this time we have a different scenario. And I want to also make it very clear that the flip of this is really true because it is God's word to all of God's people. It isn't just that the woman is able to allure and to destroy life. The man also does it with women. Have you never met a man who really continuously tries to lure you into his trap for the sake of uh, accessing your uh, your jewels and, and your time and your intimacy. And then he meant no good. He will lie to do it, right? Uh, I love you and never meant to love you at all. I was engaged to a man who did that. I love you give you the whole shebang, ask you to marry him and everything. There was no love there, none whatsoever. And I found out a little late, but I did find out. And when I found out, I turned immediately and asked the Lord for forgiveness and asked God to keep me from such a man, a person who would go to such lengths. And I think that he says um, in here, I think he meant he, he mentioned the lies that are told when these things are, are going on, you know. Um, let's see, where does it get passing through the street near? What she says to him, 
She's she is loud. He describes this woman. And I don't know if you've ever met these kind of men, but I have. She is loud. I could say he is loud and stubborn. Solomon writes, her feet abide not in her house. You could say the same thing about a whorish man. His feet do not abide in his own house. In other words, he's going out looking for stuff. He's moving. Uh, you know, he doesn't spend time in the place where he ought to spend good quality time. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. Honest to goodness, really and truly, if the word he or she wasn't on the page, I would have to say he, because from my perspective as a female, I have encountered this. In my early life, before I got married, it was so horrible that I told the Lord I, I would never go out with another man. I just didn't even want to be, be bothered. I was going to actually enter the cloister, a life of service to the Lord and forget about trying to be married or dating or any of that. It was it was terrible. And um, and then, of course, I met a man who, who didn't treat me like that. I had met another one who didn't treat me or wasn't that kind of guy. But nonetheless, uh, there are some other issues. So so the, the, you, you get caught she caught him and she kissed him and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with the, you know, she goes on and on and on. And that is, the, that's what, that's what um, the wiles of a harlot are like. And the, the wiles of, of, a, of a harlot being a female in this case, but it could also be a male. So the warning is not just to the young man. It is also to the young woman. And this one is, you know, is, is right. That's right. Entrapment. That's exactly right. It is, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could take them to, to court for, for that very crime? Entrapment. <laughs> it might slow some of this down. <laughs> because, listen, I worked in it. I told the, you know, this morning, I worked in outreach and I was a part of the the outreach plan to uh, slow down the um, infection rate of HIV. And you know, when HIV first hit, first hit in the 80s, right? And I knew a woman uh, who had a son and I loved him very much, but her son contracted that disease. And when she talked about his suffering, it was enough to just make your eyeballs curl, really. She said he chewed his own tongue into smitherings because of the extreme pain. We well, see when the disease first hit, there were no medications to counter his activity in the body. And it was sexually transmitted. It is a blood-borne pathogen, but the, uh, the excretions in sexual uh, intimacy are a form of blood. And so that that disease was taken off like crazy and it was killing people back to back to back. Many people were dying. It started with the gay community and the, and, and the uh, consensus was that it was affecting gay men. But guess what? There are many gay men who are also bisexual. And there are many people who practice sexual activity that would cause them now to be in the presence of or to take into their own bodies the same thing. 
but HIV is, the, is, is just one of them. Long before HIV, there were other sexually transmitted diseases, several of them. And before penicillin came, people used to be blind. They still can be, by the way, have awful, awful outcomes from sexual immorality. The other part of this, though, if you don't even go into such a dire scenario, is that when you are sexually um, uh, uh, intimate with a person for the first time, the body actually releases a hormone. And that hormone binds you mentally, emotionally to the person that you have had that contact with. And so I believe one of the reasons for promiscuity is that if you leave the mate, right, that you first bonded with, you're always looking to fulfill the void because that bonding is broken. And so you keep going back and go back and back. It's, it's you know, God, God is amazing. And when we begin to really study science, we think that, um, that the Bible is not scientific. We think that science gives us all these answers that the Bible doesn't give. But here is the answer, right? This right here talks about immorality. And undergirding this is the transfer of many diseases, the transfer of a, a mental state that keeps you looking and looking and looking for the fulfillment that you have now escaped if you move from partner to partner. You know, you, you, you want it to happen. You kind of want it to happen. Now, the good thing also about Father is that um, he actually allows us sometimes to outlive those consequences. And if we cry out and ask for help, God is very near and he gives help. He can bring us from the bondage or the, the um, consequences of, of our sin into the hope, the fulfillment that we are looking for. And we are able to forgive ourselves of the wrongs that we have done. And we can forgive others. God is really good. That's God's wisdom putting a stamp on science. I believe it too. Says Sister Reem, I truly believe it. Indeed. See, he's not ignorant of anything. And just like Tony told us the other night, that because God knew at some point in, in the history of man, that would be these wires all over the world. And that before they learned to wrap these things up, he knew that little birds would sit on them because that's what birds do. They sit on the edge of limbs and very, you know, they're in, in precarious places as long as they're high. And he don't tell me says that God knew. And so he insulated the birds feet so they could sit up there and not be electrocuted. I think that is just a wonderful observation. That's just beautiful. Absolutely. He can look down the car. He has looked down the car because he made time and he put us in it, right? He knows everything. Even the, the hairs on your head, which also blows my mind, are numbered and God knows them. Before you were born, he had you pegged. He knew you. 
and he knows me and he knows what things we will do. So he has made um, a way for us not to live in the detriment of our actions out of our ignorance and sometimes even out of our knowing. When, when Adam and Eve fell in that garden, he put them out. Now, it sounds like that wasn't the right thing to do, right? When you read the story, you say, Lord, why you put them out? Why don't you just like, you know, slap them and uh, you know, not slap them, but <laughs> uh, teach them and forgive them and let them stay in. But he knew that he had also put in that garden uh, the um, tree of life. And that if they ate of it, they would never die. Because you see, God doesn't go back on his word. And if they lived in their sins, he could not redeem them. So we would have been like Satan and all his minions. So the Lord saved this, these folks. He put them out. And guess what? In the, new, in the new world that we will live in, the new earth, there will be a fountain of living water. And that will heal us, continue. We will never get sick in the new life that we're going to lead. And because we have withstood the challenge of being faithful to the Lord, and he has uh, talked with us and bought us, we will enter into a, 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 a life that is never going to, we're never going to lose it again. We're never going to go without. He covers us and gets us there. The whole thing is absolutely fascinating uh, discussion for sure. It's a fascinating contemplation. And the way we contemplate is reading through God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to lift up those parts in our own being that um, cause us then to consider. And yes, Tony's analysis on God's wisdom regarding how he protects us all from the dangers of daily living, even the smallest creatures. Isn't that lovely? That is just so, so lovely. May the Lord our God be praised. I think I've talked enough. What else is there to say about chapter 7? Remember to bind God's commandments and to our hearts and our minds because they bring life. Bind them into our hearts. I think Pastor Thomas was just saying that in his in his teachings with his children. Oh, his his congregation. I call him his children because he is the Papa. He is constantly right, <laughs> guiding them and telling them, use God's word, apply God's word, let God's word give you the answer to all of your dilemmas. Let God answer every question. Let God and he, let his word guide you and, and, and in, encourage you and lift your faith off the page and put it into action. Last night, uh, Light Touch said exactly that. Um, I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
you know, I still cannot break that that apart, really and truly. I may not even, I, I just won't even pretend. I cannot really, really uh, fully explain the definition of faith as God has written it. But I do know this, that the action of faith proves out its its components. So if like by my, 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 I'll show you my faith by my works. If I believe God is going to bring a thing to pass, I believe that it's going to be all right. Then I also will simply uh, come and act what it is I believe. I will do the thing like I, you know, I'm doing now. I don't think I'm a, I'm a, a scholar by any means, um, but I believe the Holy Spirit will meet us in this place. He will actually uh, speak as we are talking about him. He will make revelation as we read his word. I believe that. And therefore, therefore, I go forward with it. And even though I cannot uh, really articulate that definition of faith as it is written in the Bible, I mean, I can't break it apart. I can't analyze it. You know, I, I don't think I'm doing that very well. I know still that it is indeed a manifestation of those things that I believe God will do. And definitely the outworking of his word when applied to my life, right? So when we bind bind the commandments by uh, to our hearts and when we obey the wisdom that is given us, as I told you when we first started, the probability, no, not just probability, the, the actual promise is also given to us and will we'll manifest because God cannot lie. And we have here, oh, Captain A., we have uh, Sharon, and we have Pastor John Thomas. Mm -mm -mm, I was just talking about your teaching, and it was a very good one. Praise be to God. I re appreciate the reminder of repetition and reading and applying God's word. Thank you. Absolutely, Reems. Uh, so hello and welcome to everyone. Thank you so much for dropping in. We are... Um, just at the end of it, though, <laughs> and if you have any words, we read chapter seven in which, you know, Solomon gives a scenario, something that he saw outside of his window. And he uses that scenario to warn his son to whom he's written this. And what we're saying is that we he might just as well have let um, who's Solomon's mom write it to all the girls, because what he says about this harlot as females, we can say also about the men who have tried to entrap us throughout our lives. Yes, good evening, Tony. How are you? So any any comments? I, I would love to hear your thoughts about this. Um, it's one of those right, right at you uh, chapters. There's a whole, not a whole lot uh, you know, to, to run off the track with. He is straightforward. He tells us the scene. He tells us that the young man goes into her. The symbolism in it lets us know that it was not a good decision because death is in the actions that are there. When we allow ourselves to be allured 
into the entrapments of evil. Death follows. It is the path to death. Uh, the scripture reads, Jesus Christ warns rather uh, that narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Broad is the way that leaves, leads to destruction. And her description of all that he's going to get, the pleasure that he is going to enjoy with her all through the night, right? What do we know that he will encounter when he walks through that door? What do we know will happen? My brother told me, my oldest brother, who is now deceased, but he was, my brother was like my dad. I loved my brother extremely much. He used to talk to me all the time. He would just tell me all this stuff, right? He was a man about town, I tell you. I tried to join a long time ago, but I was not coming through. Ah, I just turned off my phone and I was able to join. Well, we're glad you're here and uh, you have good things to say. So just uh Give, give any comments you want while I tell this story. So Gail tells me he was out one night and um, he met a woman, you know. Uh, um, and the lady invited him back to her house, right? So he went back and he went in. While he was sitting there, she left the room and said she'd be back. You know, I guess she was going back to dress or whatever. And um, yeah, yeah, I think he told me she said she was going to go change. So what was on her mind? Do we know? I don't know. But Gail said while he was sitting there, he said that he could hear in his ear the Holy Spirit saying, leave. And he said he, he could hear it very clearly as if someone were talking with him. And But he didn't get up right away. He, get, he said he threw his head up and get out of way of, you know, turning his head, kind of cocking the head a little bit as, as if to say, huh? Right? And he, so he heard it again, leave. But he said he didn't leave. He heard the third time. And with the third time came, this is what he told me. I don't repeat what if it's not true, Gail told the lie. He said not only did he hear leave, but it's as if someone picked him up and threw him at the door. And when he opened the door, he said at that point he was shaken and he opened the door and he walked out. When he walked out to cross the street from her house to get into his own car, there was another car that came up with a man in it. And as he gets in his car, the man gets out of his car and goes to that same door. God is amazing. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. At that time, Gail was living by his own admission in my mother's prayers. Glory to God in my mother's prayers. He used to say it all the time. I walk in my mother's prayers. That's what he would say. And the Lord protected and kept him that night from the enticements of who knows, who knows what was there. Similarly, I was uh, enticed by a woman to visit her, to come to see her. When I was in New York as a dancer, I worked for a short time in a bar and I was the um, midday uh, waitress or whatever, right? And this woman used to come in 
She was just as cute as a whip. She was a very lovely, attractive girl. She was dressed always absolutely perfectly. She was always very clean. And she invited me over and over. And I would go back home and I would say to my sister, she keeps inviting me to her house. And jokingly, my sister said, Phil, is she funny? Or, you know, because at that time you call people funny or gay or whatever. I can't remember. But she said that, right? And I said, Peg, I don't know. You know, what do I know? I don't know. Because I was never around this lifestyle like that. And um, so I had a friend that I also met in that. Well, I don't know where I met him, but I, he would come in the bar anyway on his way to work. He was a cook. Uh, a chef down uh, on the east side uh, of New York, downtown there. And he told me, after hearing her ask me over, he literally said to me, never go to her house alone. Don't ever go. If you ever decide to go, call me. Now, I wasn't dating this man. We were just friends. He had, you know, we spent a lot of time. My, my family knew him. That That's who he was, right? But one day, so, you know, the time passed and I quit the job anyway. I went to the uh, pharmacy down the street and I ran into her in the pharmacy. And she said to me, come by, come on. See, she said she, she had children. She told me, I'm going to have my children and you just come by, you know. And uh, she asked me what I drank. I wasn't a drinker. But of course, you know, I was around people who did drink. So I told them, you know, if I, I, I told her I don't drink. But if, if you, you know, if you happen to have something, I, scotch, milk, whatever. Honey, let me tell you, I, I went um, that day, I the day she told me, so maybe that was Monday, she told me to come by on Thursday or whatever. I didn't call Shoes. It didn't even occur to me to call him. That's his, that was his name. But God sent him by the window just as I was getting ready to go. We lived in an apartment and it was one story high. He was he walked down that way. Can you imagine this, you all? He lived several blocks up of the, from where where we were. But that day he walked down to take the train from the corner of where this apartment was. And as he passed, he called up. He called my name. And I heard him. And I went to the window and I said, Hi, what are you doing down here? He said, I'm on my way to work. Just wanted to stop by and see what you're doing. Only God, only God. So I told him, I'm getting ready to go to, and I called him. He said, wait a minute. He went to the corner phone booth, made a call, called out from work, came back, and he said, I told you never to go alone. I will go with you. And let me tell you guys, what, await, uh, what was waiting for me at that house gives me shudders even till today. And because he was with me, the woman was very angry. And I could go on and tell you the rest of the story, but what I'm gonna tell you is that I escaped something very sinister that day because God sent that friend. He was a friend. He had never been anything but a friend. I believe he was an angel, hallelujah. So we have a God who is in the business of taking care of his own. 
And I wasn't just like totally committed in Christ at that time, but all my life I've read the Bible, you know, since I could read, I guess I, I learned the, the Psalm 1 when I was about five years old because my mother paid me to do it. It was before I was in the first grade because I had not moved uh, from Monroe to Durham at that time. I was still a very young person. And the Lord God saw fit to watch over me. And he sees fit to watch over all those who love him. That's why we pray for one another. We pray for one another. And we ask the Lord to protect and to keep us because we are united by his spirit. We are one in his spirit. And before we are able to really understand, yes, the devil used her and God sent you an angel cause he knew your hallelujah glory. All I can say is absolutely, I believe it. Yes, I believe it. And I want you to know something else about me. I don't care what I did on Saturday night. I was in church on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. My sister will tell you, I never ceased to go to church. My mother introduced that to me as a young person. And though my sister wouldn't go, I always went. I would get up and still go. If I didn't have enough money to take that train when I was in New York, because when I was home, I didn't have that problem. But I would say, teen, I need a train fare. Because I was trying to dance. And you know, we're poor when we're dancing. Yes, for such a time as this, God is amazing. He has never failed Phyllis. In my roughest times, I've known that Father would come through. And listen, I had a lot of wisdom poured into me because my mother was an avid Bible reader and she quoted it. And my brother would tell me how naive I was and that you'd better watch out and you better pay attention. That's what love does. It helps and it covers. And so God protects us. His word reminds us that he will never leave nor forsake. And absolutely, there's not a time in my life when I don't believe I believed in God. I was always there. My mother used to tell me I believed in miracles. And I would marvel that she said such a thing because I said, you have told me to believe in miracles. <laughs> not only that, you've told me miraculous stories when God did what he did. And so, I, of course, I do. Um, Tony says, God is just good. Oh, that's just the right statement. Yes, God is just good. I have been a bar boy before uh, about four years ago, and I was in the midst of smokers, drunkards, and rehabs. <laughs> oh, Rahab's, okay. But I thank God I never smoked. I was not a womanizer and never did ungodly things. You can be in the midst of millions of sinners and through um, and though you, and through you, they can all see the light. Absolutely. He will do it. He will do it. He will do it. God will do it. And I, I don't share that with you guys to kind of say, you know, I'm this, you know, this, this person. I'm, I wasn't. I mean, I, I you know, I, those things about me were true. But I was, I was living a very kind of carnal life. You know what I mean? I was just doing what dancers do. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 
Yes, he will. And so when Solomon says, bind these laws, this stuff that I'm telling you, bind it to your heart. You know, work it through your mind. Pastor Thomas says that. Use God's word to lift your life to what you want it to be. That's what we want it to be. We don't want to do this as as it, as it is as stated here in Proverbs chapter 7 at the end, the very last verse. He says, um, for she has, well, the last two verses, three verses. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. For she has cast down many wounded Yes, many strong men have been slain by her. And guess what? Uh, David encountered his own lust and did something crazy. And Solomon, well, we know his story, right? Maybe he was talking out of his own understanding, finally, because he had the wisdom God gave it to him. And then he writes, um, her house is the way to hell. And remember, her house could be his house. Her house, could you could just put in the masculine there, and that's what you would get. Her house is the way, his house is the way to hell. Going down to the chambers of death. That's what we do when we walk away from the wisdom that God is imparting to us and his leading by the Holy Spirit. I really am finished. I really do bless and thank the Lord for, you're right, Sharon, we love the Proverbs <laughs> as much as we love the Gospels and as much as we get out of the epistles and as much as the Old Testament prepares and teaches us how God's plan is being acted and why he had to do it because it is in the Old Testament which gives us a picture of this new and contemporary world in which we're living. We think Israel was bad, but good. Look at look at contemporary society. It's amazing. The word is so good. It is so good. Hallelujah. Be in the world, but not of the world. This is the message, and. I have to say um, that the pastor came on tonight. I didn't know he was coming on, but I, that that's exactly what I hear. You know, I, came, I heard him before I came on here. And that's what I hear him say every time he uh, teaches us, every time he's with us. He's simply saying, let the word of God guide your life. Be convinced and apply it. And therefore I call his style of teaching, applied Christianity, not style, but the message in his teaching is applying the word to life. And that is the message in the Proverbs as well. Of course, inspired by God. And though written to Solomon's son, it is God's word to his people. Nothing new under the sun. Indeed, the Lord is good. I bless him for your attention. I'm so glad you came. I thought tonight I was going to just record and then keep going, but you have made it once again an exciting moment in time, and I'm so grateful that you were here. Thank you so much.
Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, who but you, Lord God, could turn a moment into this party? Just give us great joy. It's it's your work. And we are here because you have been so good to us. And we thank you for that. Once again, I ask you, Lord God, to open our hearts. Really, really, really. We, we are taking the word in, but we ask you to bind it to our hearts. We ask you, Father, to, to plant it deep in our very being that it would grow and we will become, what is it that Isaiah says? The planting of the Lord. Trees of righteousness that we may show forth your great glory, your love for the world. And I ask you to supply every need. I believe it in all. I believe it when I'm saying it. I supply the needs of everyone on this line. Lord, bless abundantly as only you can. And we thank you for it right now because faith is the substance of those things hoped for. And your word tells us that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You will supply our needs according to your riches in glory. And we receive now in the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be him forever and ever. Hallelujah. Right? We appreciate you. You are the you are the um you are the blessing. I am so grateful that you are here. And with that, my darlings, it is nap time, isn't it? Time to sleep. I bid you all a very pleasant afternoon, if it's afternoon for you, evening and night, if it's that for you. A great day if you're just waking uh, in the morning, wherever you are in the world. Know that our Father is there and he also sees and he responds to every prayer. God bless you. I want this music to make you smile. At the end of every podcast, right, the music always just makes me know that I've had a really good time. And there we go. May you have a wonderful night. Do join us again, and in the morning, our reader will be Light Touch. Remember, we meet again at um, at 9 a.m., and um, tomorrow is a Friday. We will meet at 8.30 in the evening. Saturday morning, uh, we will meet, but Sunday, we will meet at 1 o'clock. It's been decided. Only one recording Sundays, right? And again, next Wednesday, I invite you to jump, come in at 8. We will read at 6. But Pastor Thomas, whom you don't want to miss, will be with us again at 8 o'clock. And all that getting, get understanding. This series is Apples of Gold, a reading through Proverbs. May you enjoy your, your the rest of your day. And uh, I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for coming. Bye-bye. Thank you for the likes are wonderful and the pod points are very good. Thank you for every like that you send. I love seeing those hearts go up in the air. Thank you so much. <laughs>